0: On today's episode of Titus and Tate, we are talking to Cody Zeller, who uh, we we are very excited to talk to, Tate, because uh, he, he's a man who is both a Hoosier and a, what do you call a North Carolina person? North Carolinian? A Tar Heel. Oh. I guess that's it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> the Tar He's yeah, not yeah. a Tar Heel, though. I thought a Tar yeah. He's not a Tar Heel. We'll talk about this on the show because Cody is in Charlotte. Charlotte is a, mm-hmm. its own entity, very similar to Cincinnati. They're both the Queen City. You know, they exist. Cincinnati exists in Ohio, but it's still its own thing. I think Charlotte's the same way. But we'll get into all that, but we're very that's excited. The whole,
0: the whole state of North Carolina just rips from the Midwest. That's how it works. Your 1st no. in-flight thing you take from Ohio, you, you basically just take from Ohio. The, right. the idea of being yeah, great at basketball, right. you took Listeners, from listeners, right now, look it up.
1: Look it up. 1607 Jamestown. It was not in Ohio.
0: <laughs> the Queen City <laughs> stolen from Ohio. Unbelievable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ridiculous. We, yeah, yeah. uh, we talked to Cody Zeller about uh, <laughs> anything and everything, uh, playing for Michael Jordan. and,
1: and Playing the guitar. Tempo. Literally yeah. Pl- yeah, everything. everything. His cookout out.
0: order. He also, uh, <laughs> a little teaser. I asked him about the, the infamous Tom Crean bat story. Mm-hmm. Uh, that i told on part of my take and he um confirmed certain details of that story that uh you'll want to listen to his explanation of everything that went down so uh we have that to look forward to
1: that's called a scoop and a tease that's yep. uh, that's really well done mark titus and we're going to talk about the last dance that happened last night we're gonna we're just gonna talk a little bit about that because obviously everybody in, in, in the world is talking about the last dance uh and we understand that but we want to talk about also wake forest got a new head coach he Good might ahead. be a maniac uh, we're not sure. Yes. I, I, I can't wait to see what happens uh, with with Wake the Nation moving forward. I,
0: I will say this about him, and w- we'll go more in depth a little later. <laughs> but I will never forget his introduction, yeah. Wake Forest job. Uh, I will remember this for the rest of my life. So there, I don't know. We'll see how it goes. But uh, for right now, I will. I will definitely remember that. So um, yeah, we have a, we have a fun show. We have a packed show. We're going to get to all of it, but first, Woody Durham. It's like- All right, it is Monday afternoon once again. Uh, we are here, Titus and Tate. Um, first, before we get started, Tate, I want to remind everyone, we did a, a TNT Classic last week. We talked about the 2003 uh, uh, National Championship game, Syracuse over Kansas. Mm-hmm. So just reminding the people, if, if you haven't been paying attention to the show, you're just tuning back in. Maybe you missed it. Um, maybe you missed it for a reason. Maybe you're a Kansas fan, you're like, no, I missed that one on purpose. I'm going to go ahead and not outlisten that one. That's okay, too. Just letting you guys know I was there. Uh, <laughs> it was about two hours long. We went in depth. It was a lot of fun. I love doing those shows, Tate.
1: I love doing those shows as well. And I think you and I both have a, a fun time kind of working our brains uh, back in that space and that time frame when we were watching college basketball, because I think for so many people in the world of college basketball, and obviously as we see, you know, with the last dance, nostalgia is a hell of a drug mm-hmm. and uh, everybody loves it. You and I both uh, subscribe to it. We call it member berries. South park, you know, of course made that fun for us not too long ago. And as I look back at the 2003 game in that moment in time, we talked on it for two hours and I talked so much on it that the clips that came out of it, I was saying things like talking in circles around ideas that I feel like we both were like, we, we talked through every single possible yeah. potential thing that could ever happen. I find that fun because uh, you know, we like different thread lines in life and uh, yeah, it was a great time. So go check it, it out.
0: It is, it is the one thing that we do where I like, I know going in, I'm going to be in a battle with all of the well, actually people on Twitter and yes. i want to just i wanna i'm doing everything i can to disarm them i'm trying to squeeze that sponge until every last drop comes out so there's not a single guy that says well actually you guys forgot to talk about this um mm. and then lo and behold every single time someone still finds a way to do it but uh whatever it doesn't matter we we, we enjoy doing it so uh, uh <laughs> we just know, keep
1: I, we just keep trudging along you know what i mean and it, it, it's fine by us yeah. we understand um
0: i I know it's not everyone's uh cup of tea a lot of people don't necessarily love those kinds of shows but uh you know, maybe you do maybe maybe you will maybe you will like it so go check that out if you haven't already uh as you said tate nostalgia hell of a drug (laughs) um which is kind of the the theme for me of the last dance at this point is like i'm gonna let you go first actually because i uh i'm I'm just gonna let you go first i'm gonna i'm gonna stop talking you go ahead the last dance go ahead your thoughts
1: (laughs) The Last Dance is a series, uh, lots of thoughts, but let's talk about episode five and episode six, which we get to see last night. And the first thing that we see on the screen is, of course, one of my favorite episodes that we've done uh, in the new iteration of things is the Kobe Bryant episode. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, mainly for the fact that I felt like I learned a lot about Michael Jordan via Kobe Bryant um, because I was like, you know, Cody Zeller said, you know, I was five or six years old for the 1997-1998 Bulls. So there's, there's not much there, but Kobe carried that baton. And in this episode, we see the 1998 uh, All-Star Game at MSG. And for you and I, uh, as basketball junkies, uh, and as guys who you know, have an affinity, like you said, for nostalgia, there's nothing better for me to see uh, in our world is to see Larry Bird coaching a team that Michael Jordan is playing on, um, where he's able to say things like, hey, we're here, we might as well win. Yeah. Um, I love you know? I love
0: I love birds like pregame talk like talking like he was actually like kind of breaking things down a little bit in an all-star game it was great it's 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 totally Larry Bird he can he can't take his mind off anything else
1: it's like we got a, a look at this inner secret conference of all these superstars that we all, you know, admired within the game, and we're going around and we're passing it. and Magic Johnson walks in the room, and you got Michael Jordan, you know, ribbing him and saying, you "No, know, get you're from, you're from the West, get out of here." You know, this is the Eastern Conference locker room. You no, know, get get out of here. We don't want to hear from you. And, and we and we see those moments and. Obviously, we see something, you know, early on in this first episode, and it relates to Kobe Bryant and something that we talked about. And I think the, the thing that I saw that is so interesting is that Kobe Bryant was in Michael Jordan's head in 1998. Mm-hmm. Because, uh, you know, Michael Jordan, in this episode, he's in, in, in MSG. Obviously, this is a big moment for him. This is possibly his last, you know, all-star game playing basketball. And there's the youngest all-star, you know, walking in. He plays in Los Angeles. Michael Jordan obviously had an affinity for Los Angeles. Everyone understands that. Uh, Kobe has everything and he plays like Michael he is similar to Michael and Michael was going at him he's calling him a baby Laker he's saying he only plays offense you know he's saying that he doesn't know how to rebound I wouldn't pass him the ball if I was on his team Mm -hmm. and and I found that moment so beautiful because if Kobe Bryant saw that and you saw the respect that he had for Michael when he talked and spoke about Michael but if he saw that, the, the fact that he knew that he had headspace in Michael Jordan's head. 19, yeah,
0: at 19 years old. That, yeah. that
1: That is the most flattering thing that could have ever happened. Uh, and seeing that footage, I thought was really beautiful.
0: And, and it gives you a, a peek into Jordan's um, mindset of... Uh, uh, Jordan. Jordan, to me, doesn't seem like a guy who, at the end of his career, wanted to pass the baton to the next guy or pass no. the torch to the next guy. He wanted to just set the torch down. That's really all he was. He was like, I'm done with the torch. I'm going to set it down but I'm sure as hell not going to like pass it over to this guy or that guy or anything else. Um, and Kobe was like kind of the annoying 19 year old. I was like, Mike, give me the torch. Give me And he's like, to hell no, I'm not giving you the mm-hmm. torch. I'm mm-hmm. going to come out and school you. Uh, yeah, it, it was fascinating. I, I really liked that. Um, the doc, I'll be honest, Tate, I, I do really love the doc. Uh, I, um, it, it's not what I thought it was going to be. And I I'm starting to learn that that was probably my fault that I thought it was going to be, Uh, about the the 1997-98 team almost exclusively which isn't to say like like for me these last two episodes were almost completely Michael Jordan it was all it was which makes a lot of sense Michael Jordan is the guy on this team that makes people care about this team Um, but yeah I I, uh, I'm I'm a little bummed out that it's not more about the team as a whole which uh, I understand probably has more to say about my expectation of the thing than uh, the, the analogy I would use state is like, I still, cause I still love it. I really do still enjoy it. I will love any Michael Jordan content. I love the nostalgia, all of it, but it's like, I, I I went to a steakhouse and ordered a New York strip and they brought me a chicken parm. And I'm like, this is the best chicken parm I've ever had in my life. But I came into the steakhouse kind of in the mood for a New York strip. Um, but that's okay. I'll take the chicken parm just as well. Like, so I, I kind of wish there was more, I thought we were going that direction with the KU coach stuff and the dream team. I thought we were going to get like, a resolution to the KU coach thing. And I guess we still could that like, after he joined the team, what happened? We don't really know. Um, mm-hmm. I thought it was going to be more about the team, which uh you know, people, people are kind of rolling their eyes. I tweeted some about that. And people were chirping at me. Like, what'd you expect him to talk about Bill Winnington and Luke Longley? And, and honestly, and,
1: yeah. a
0: little bit, like mm-hmm. honestly, a little bit, like, I feel like Steve Kerr, um, Steve Kerr has an interesting perspective on this. Like, I would love to hear Steve Kerr, not talk about necessarily Jordan or Pippen, but talk about like, I'm Steve Kerr. I've won eight NBA titles. I've I've played for Popovich and Jackson. I've won NBA titles as a coach myself. Like, here's what my time on the '98 Bulls helped me later in this way. Uh, hearing from Ku coach instead of just like, yeah, these guys wanted to kick my ass when I played them in, in the the Olympics. Maybe Ku coach is like, like Ku coach was one of the first guys to be drafted. It was like him and and Drazen and, and and Vlade were like the three dudes. We were like the first European guys like who are really young to be brought to the nba kind of Mm -hmm. you know like Sabonis Mm -hmm. was brought over but he was kind of older in his career yeah um i find that fascinating i wish they kind of like went into that a little bit uh but that again i think that says more about me i think i i that this was not what the documentary was it was always going to be like a michael jordan project to tell the world that michael jordan is the greatest player ever (laughs) and also uh Point out all these grudges that he's held onto for thirty years, and it's it's super fascinating. It's just not quite what I thought it was going to be up to this point.
1: I don't and know. you you tweeted something that I found kind of fascinating. You said this is basically Michael Jordan's Wikipedia page, which I yeah, I, you know, in that sense, I understand what you're saying, where we're basically. We, we are getting the, the Michael Jordan story as told by Michael Jordan. And it is yeah. the, uh, the lens of The Last Dance. And I, I'm not necessarily sure that was even the, the, the primary you know, objective of this doc series. But I think what probably happened was, as Michael Jordan agreed to get involved with it, Michael Jordan said, let's use this 1998 season to set the record straight. Because mm-hmm. Michael Jordan, just like every single other person in this new world that we live in, he is aware of the young world he's aware of the goat memes he's aware of crying jordan Mm -hmm. he's aware of the conversations he's aware of all that and he's also aware of legacy and he's also aware of you know the moment in time kobe bryant meant something to michael jordan and he saw a little brother go before him and he's immortalized and he sees that moment in legacy and now he's telling his story it's the first time he's opening up but like you said the first time he's opening up, he has vendettas, and he has, yeah, agendas, right. and he has, you know, sort of scores to settle. And the 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 funniest thing about all this is because Michael is so competitive that that is who he is, and now we just see it up close in person as opposed to secondhand as folklore. Because yeah. all, all you'd ever hear was folklore. I've heard the Atlantic City story in the Nick series so many te- <laughs> so different so many times. times. Over. I, I've I've heard people say that that he actually drove all the way back to North Carolina you know, and he yeah. was going to Lumberton to go get like, there's, there's so many crazy things that happen. So just to hear Michael say it is special. And I think that's the one thing I'm just trying to focus yeah, on. That is that's Michael talk. And that's great.
0: That is the value in this is Jordan is opening up in a way he never has before. Um, and that, that, as I said, it, it's super fascinating. That's what that's the part of me that loves it. And, um, no part of me is like, I, I wish I, I, I don't like this. I, I no, no part of me is like, I give this documentary a thumbs down. Um, So I'm kind of choosing my words. Like I, I don't know. I don't want to be a hater. I I feel like people are going to hear me talk about this and be like, "Dude, you're such a hater." Just enjoy things. I am enjoying it. I'm enjoying it very much, Tate. It's just like, for me, like this feels like a project for Michael Jordan to to tell the world I'm the greatest player ever. And I I don't necessarily. I didn't. I I personally did not necessarily need that. I believed you, Mike. We already. I already thought this. I don't need you to get on here and tell me about all these vendettas you had and how great you were. Um, I, I already know all this. Uh, but you know, it's still Michael Jordan, and it'll, it'll always be awesome. I will say that the the parts of him that are opening up, it it is a little fascinating. It's a, it's slightly underwhelming in the sense that like like I don't feel like he touched on the gambling stuff as well as he could have. Um, which isn't to say I want him to give me all the juicy details, but you know, just kind of shrugging your shoulders and being like, "Listen, I gamble. It's you know, there's no mm-hmm. laws against it, which is mm-hmm. pretty sure there are.
1: but There, there are some I, laws. Yeah, there are a few
0: of yeah. you. Uh." that whatever the 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 gantt stuff the the republicans buy sneakers too that was to me the most fascinating thing because i think he did give like an adequate answer and which is to say he was like i just want to play basketball i didn't want to that like that that was interesting to 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 give us an idea a peek behind his brain and, and and the thoughts that went behind him saying that um but yeah i don't know i'm not i'm not disappointed i'm not uh I, I I'm trying to figure out what emotion I'm feeling because it's just not quite what I, I was hoping it would be, but it's still really, really awesome. And so I'll just defer to you and let you talk about how awesome it is. Cause no one wants to hear a hater. That's the last thing people want right now. We're starved for content. We have this, this Michael Jordan, 10 part documentary series. They do not want to listen to me be like, I don't know, not the greatest thing in the world. <laughs> like shut the hell up, Titus. It is the greatest thing in the world.
1: I think everybody wants something to be great. And I think that's what the beauty of what you were just talking about with, with what Michael Jordan said in that moment, he's talking about, you know, Gant, he's talking about that race. And he basically said, you know, his mom wanted him to think about it, to be a part of this commercial. And this is also a story being in North Carolina. This is politics in North Carolina. It, it, it is a black and white, you know, issue pretty much nine times out of 10. And especially in the 1990s with Michael Jordan. And he is in a position where he, he has a, Pope and Jesus complex. That's what they were saying in the documentary. He at one point jokingly called himself God. And that is who you're dealing with. You're dealing with someone that is so heightened in who he is as Air Jordan, Michael Jordan, this incredible character. You talked about the spotlight. As soon as he walks out of a hotel room, he is something beyond, you know, a normal human being. And that wears on you, especially when the the mantra is you gotta be like Mike and you gotta do everything that Michael does. You have to be perfect to be perfect takes a lot of practice. And I mean, I always think about remember the Titans, you know, when he's given the speech, you know, Herman Boone, which is Herman Boone himself, the real person not never gave this speech, but Denzel Washington given the speech, uh, you know, and he was like, you know, we are, we, we, you know, this team is perfect. And I think Michael Jordan, everything that was around him, the brand of Jordan was perfect, right? But he's still a human being within that brand. And I find it fascinating to see him, you know, sitting there with a cigar, saying you know this is it like this is this is i want to get out of this like i i I don't want to be in this world and as someone who's from a small town in north carolina and at heart a country boy as much as i never would want to admit that to anyone like that that home feeling that homesick feeling of being completely exposed and being you know you know this i mean we're, we're from similar places like being at such a Like we're in ponds. We grew up in ponds, basically. Right now you're in the ocean and you're all over. You're international. You're global. You're a cultural phenomenon. But you're still Mike and you're still trying to like hold on to whatever that is. And you're also still trying to tightly grip that baton at the top and make sure that everyone who wants to take it away from you cannot take it away from you. And as you know, Mark Titus, and as we saw with the Warriors, When you win, the story changes. You are not beloved. You are not the little guy. You are not David. You are not the one that everyone is rooting for. You are now the target. And when Michael Jordan became the target, he completely went inward. He wanted to stay away from the spotlight. He wanted to hide, quote-unquote. But he also had a problem at some level. He had a, a quote-unquote, competitive problem is what he calls it. But he also had a problem where... The, the Bulls were better when they had distractions. Michael needed to have distractions. Michael needed to yeah. go to New City. He needed to go and do all these other things to be great. And that's why when, when Jordan doesn't talk to the media and he gets his dad, like your dad, Bill Titus, my dad, would do the exact same thing for us if someone was doing that to us. Like they would mm-hmm. talk to the media. Like he's worn out. I will talk to the media. That's a very like old country boy way to play this thing. And he's doing it to the Chicago media. He's doing it to right. the global media. And like those stories to me are fascinating because that's the time that you see, because I've, you know, Curry Kirkpatrick was my favorite sports story I read growing up and it's called, you know, Michael Jordan is like the unlikeliest homeboy is the, is the whole SI article. And it's all about Jordan staying into his roots and being this like North Carolina kid. And it always felt like a folly or a farce. Like how could he be this person, but also be Michael wearing sunglasses saying deal with it because like, what gambling's not you know illegal i do what i want you <laughs> yeah. know I'm the best way in the world you know there's like no how, there's no
0: laws against it yeah
1: yeah like how does that coexist and like in this documentary you're like i it's it, it's good for me or it's fun to see for me because it's like you're seeing a, a mythology sort of examined by the man and obviously there's bullshit that's involved in everyone's mythology and that's yeah. where I, I think someone said to me or tweeted at me and they were like i hope you're enjoying the michael jordan commercial and mm-hmm. look if you grew up in north carolina You know, Michael Jordan Nissan and, you know, Michael's got a deal for you. Hey, like that's a great jingle. And like Michael knows how to market. Michael is a commercial. Michael is a living brand. That is who. That is a part of the Michael Jordan story. And that's what's happening in front of our very eyes. Like it's all a culmination of everything. Michael Jordan, right? He is the brand and the brand is putting out the story of Michael Jordan. And the man is sitting there and he is finally aligning himself with the brand and letting us in. And that's what I'm enjoying about it. But I understand all your qualms with it. And I don't think it's qualms. I think you're just being fair. And we don't have to all be like, this is the greatest thing that's ever happened to me. (laughs) No,
0: I don't even, I don't even have, like the qualms are just that it's like, not what I thought it was going to be. But since it is what it is, like I'm loving it for what it is, you know, like all these same things you're saying, I'm loving these parts. I love, uh, the idea that, that a guy that famous um is basically saying this sucks. Like he's he's at the height of his fame. I find that fascinating. I'm I am I am enamored by stories of fame. I mean I like I just it, it it's so um just interesting to me how how we we all are smart enough to observe the lives of celebrities and fame and, and, and we're all smart enough to like basically observe all this and say being famous is the worst thing ever. Like the, the people lose their minds and they go. Fame. Dave Chappelle is a great example when he, you know, the Chappelle Show. He walked away from that. He kind of he's kind of spoken about that a little bit. That uh, um, thing. The, the reasons he kind of stepped away from that. You see, like celebrities that lose their minds. Like uh, uh, the first one that comes to mind is like Britney Spears when she was shaving her head and like, like, and everyone is smart enough to kind of be like, famous sucks. Being famous is the absolute worst. And yet, there's something inside of all of us that wants to be famous. And it's like the weirdest. Thing ever is like we're we're all smart enough to know it's a very very bad idea, but we can't resist the urge to, I don't know, say something for cloud or try to <laughs> try to tweet tweet something at this one guy to get our 15 minutes of fa- whatever it is. Yeah. Um. So that, that that's a famous thing. They're a famous. That's an interesting thing to me. That Michael Jordan, the most famous guy ever, the guy who's at the absolute top, the guy who has everything that all of us uh strive to want. Like we all want to be like Mike. We all want to be that famous and that revered and that perfect. And he's like, dude, this sucks. I just want to go home and just live in Carolina for for a hot second and just and just be anonymous for a little while. Um, yeah, I, I find that super interesting for sure.
1: And you know, to be famous, it takes like two things: it takes insanity and it takes vanity. And you have to maintain those two things. You have to be able to yeah. be vain enough to want to market yourself and be a part of something, and you have to also have to be insane enough to believe. In that, you know, sort of concocted idea in your mind, which in Michael Jordan's mind, he said to himself, I am the greatest basketball player of all time. And I am so great that if you compare me to someone else that you can consider a contemporary, I find it not only offensive, I want to disprove it so so aggressively. But But
0: I guess I guess this is my point, Tate, is like. The, the, the one frustration I have is like, we, we don't need this, Mike. Like we're yes. all, we're all like, don't get sucked into this trap. Just let your legacy speak for itself. You don't have to get it. You don't have to answer the LeBron stands and the Kobe people that go nuts over. You don't have to end on Twitter. You, like these 16 year old that think LeBron James is the greatest thing that's ever walked the face of the earth. Don't, don't, don't address them. Just, just be like, I'm Mike. You, you, those of you who are tweeting to me about how much LeBron, how much better LeBron is than I am. You're wearing my shoes, like mm-hmm. you guys all want to be. me, You know, just like let it let it be. We don't need to. We don't need to rehash this. But you know, he's Michael Jordan. He can do what he wants. Who, who am I? I'm just some idiot.
1: <laughs> well, we all know. Look, like we're all online, and we Michael Jordan's reading the comments, and he's like, you know what? Uh, I I am here to settle the score. Speaking and of spe- up.
0: speaking of settling scores, who was the big loser for for the the last dance this week? Because there were, the, he went after a lot of guys. I mean, Clyde Drexler had his little uh uh half like three minutes of just like Clyde Drexler I wanted to kill the man I just wanted to go out there and ruin his career Dan Marley was on there Charles Charles Barkley wasn't too bad but um even Charles like had to swallow his pride a little bit and, and admit defeat
1: Tony Coach,
0: who who do you was who was the biggest loser of uh this week of the last dance
1: I think that Michael Jordan was the biggest loser and because of that game of quarters <laughs> and uh <laughs> the sniff the sniff bros <laughs> are back, yes. sniff rows are back. and uh we get the mj shrug we get we get the beautiful game uh, uh we, get, we get the whole moment and i think that to me like i don't know yeah like you and i like we're we're gonna have cody coming up and we we're just talking about playground like playing basketball like that's my favorite thing about michael i've just seen him say all these lines that like my uncles and like you know my dad's my cousin like and stuff that you just say to each other when you're just around, like, playing baseball, basketball, whatever, mm-hmm. like, playing, like, ping pong, whatever. Like, you're always just running your mouth, especially if you're young like I was. So, like, and that's how Michael talks to people. And you always, like, to have a moment like that where he almost gets humbled by, the, you know, by his... Yeah. like. yeah. It was like a fun, fun moment, too, because oh. like Michael, Michael's not always going to win. You know, we talked about that last week. It's fun to see him kind of have to take it one time. He's like, go protect the damn United Center. But you know, Michael,
0: that, that's not the way he thinks. He thinks because he's great at basketball, he's going to be great at everything. And yes. he can't, he can't like separate that in his brain. And that is, that is so true. Not just of Michael Jordan, but of so many guys that I've played with that mm-hmm. uh, you're the best player on the basketball team. So therefore you're better than everybody at everything. And then when you get humbled in a game of ping pong or whatever it is, like, how could this be? I'm so much better than you at basketball. How could you Mm. be better than me at this?
1: Uh, yeah, that was awesome.
0: The sniff growth. Better than him. What were they trying to do? Get the quarter as close to the wall as possible without hitting it. Yes, that exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah.
1: So to piggyback on that, everyone thinks that they're the best. The reason that Michael Jordan played golf is because golf is the only game. And you and I, we we both like playing golf with each other. Golf is a game with yourself. And if you don't mm-hmm. play golf, like it is literally all in your head. You you have no one to blame but yourself. So Michael Jordan by playing golf and being addicted to golf and losing fifty seven thousand dollars at the golf course. I know that he gets off on that because golf is a game with yourself. And, and uh, as someone who is always playing mental games with people, he probably doesn't enjoy anything as much as he does playing games with himself uh, mentally. So uh, I found that fascinating as well. So that, The that was- difference
0: is when Michael Jordan plays golf, he tells himself, you suck, and then it motivates himself to hear the words, yes. you suck from his own brain. <laughs> I tell myself you suck, and I'm just like, yeah, I do suck. I should probably just just get drunk for these last yeah, six months. Like, yeah, what am I doing? Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Let's just hang out. Let, let's go get some other lights.
0: Oh shoot, my my big loser is Adidas. Um, I think. Adidas, oh yes, of yeah. Course. I think they have to take the L uh, after last night. The uh, uh, Michael Jordan saying, "I really, really wanted to go with Adidas," is a uh, is a brutal thing to hear. I think if you're Adidas, but um, no. To put a bow on a tape, I'm. I will watch the documentary. I will love the documentary. Um. I do think Jordan's a little bit full of shit with some of the things Mm -hmm. he's saying, but uh, you know, whatever, like, I'm not mad. Like from a journalism perspective, like a lot of people are upset. Like this is not, this is not Mm -hmm. actual journalism. It's biased. It's I don't really care about the integrity of the journalism. I just care (laughs) because like when Michael Jordan says, I guess I just gamble with these guys and I don't realize they're shady figures till after the fact, like, come on, Mike, don't just come on. We don't like don't insult our intelligence. That's all. Uh, but, but listening to him talk is fascinating. I, I just, I count me as one of the people that is that, uh, I do want to hear from the other people. Like I do think like Steve Kerr, his entire life, his entire existence until the Chicago Bulls and really after Steve Kerr is a fascinating life. Um, I would love to hear his, how he fit in with all this and his thoughts on this other than just like every time he's been in this doc, he's just like, yeah, you know, like playing with Michael and Scott, he was wild. And then that's like, pretty, you know. And they talk about all these fights. Like, I thought we were going to get footage of the fights. I'm stupid enough to believe that we might have gotten some footage, some practice film of, like, Jordan fighting people. And I wanted to see Scottie Pippen yell at Jerry Krause and storm off a bus. And I wanted to see, like, actually, gam- I wanted to see, like, Jordan lose a lot of money gambling and, like, get that camera out of my face, you know? I just pictured that scene. Like, Jordan, like they're, they're filming Jordan playing cards. He doesn't get the card he wants. Throws his stuff down, like, pushes the camera guy out of the way and storms out of the room. I wanted something like that. We're not really getting that. and That's a bummer, but whatever.
1: I do think in the next episode, we get the Steve Kerr fight. And I think that's why Steve Kerr, uh, it, that'd probably okay. be the time All that he right. actually talks in that sense. Uh, and then, you know, as far as like what Jordan's going to be doing uh, in, the, in these next few episodes, like I think we're going to see my, my favorite, my most, the one thing that I'm looking forward to the most, if I could just put that out there and I hope that they covered this. I want to cover what Michael Jordan decided to return to basketball. Because mm-hmm. the story is absolutely insane and uh I think we're gonna get we're gonna get into it, but he may just gloss over it. Uh you yeah. know what I mean? And I, I wanna see all the back background story because Michael Jordan is, uh, he is something else. And don't uh,
0: gloss over it, Mike, Mike, Michael, if you're listening, don't gloss Michael, over it.
1: Michael, please, please, please Michael. don't
0: gloss over it. Please, please address it. Um, enough about that. I, 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 I don't want to rain on people's parade and I feel like anything, anything less than like, this is the greatest thing that has ever been made. And I, uh, you know, it, it, it feels like people don't want to hear that right now. So I'll, I'll shut up and we can, uh, we can get to goodies out
1: Who plays for Michael Jordan, the owner of the Charlotte Hornets, Um, yes.
0: All right, so here it is. Here's our interview with Cody Zeller. Joining us now from his house in Charlotte is the big handsome himself, uh, 2013 All-American, 2011 Indiana Mr. Basketball, more importantly, Tate. You know how much that, that matters to me. And perhaps the most important of all, the last draft pick in the history of the Charlotte
1: Bobcats.
0: Tate, are you aware of this? His name is Cody Zeller. Uh, he is joining us now. Cody, I want to start here. Um, everyone's talking about the last dance. Uh, this is, this is sweeping the nation. It's, uh, pretty much the only content we have as a country right now to mm-hmm. discuss. Um, as a man who has Michael Jordan as a boss, let's start there. What is that like to have Michael Jordan be your boss? And, uh, I assume sign your checks. If not really, then like figuratively sign your checks.
2: Yeah, it's it's pretty cool. I've I've been loving the last dance. It's uh, I think, like you said, it gives everyone something to look forward to on Sundays, if nothing else. So, uh, it's pretty cool. Everyone talks about the debate of uh, Jordan versus LeBron or Kobe, whatever. So, but like to your point, I, I'm I'm kind of obligated. MJ signs my check, so I'm kind of obligated to say that he is the greatest of all time. But uh, but I think the documentary has been really cool. I've, I think I was like. 5 5 or 6 uh the the last dance year uh 70 97 98 and so uh i don't remember a lot of like the contract negotiations the jerry Krause drama i didn't even i've never heard of all that stuff so i just remember watching mj I, I used to watch my little um we had an unfinished basement i used to watch with my dad we watched on like a probably a 15 inch tv not glamorous at all but that's some of my earliest basketball memories is watching especially those uh, Bulls jazz series back and forth. So uh, it's just kind of cool to kind of relive some of those memories while watching this.
1: Yeah, and Cody, we're the exact same age, and that is literally like the first basketball memories I have. So when I think about Michael Jordan, I think about a fadeaway, and then you watch some of these early highlights, and he's dunking all over people. He's like doing 360s in the air, and that's like the Jordan, uh, the highlights that we didn't get to see as much. But obviously you're around Michael. Michael likes to talk about, you know, all of his highlights and many things that he's done. So is he texting you guys to make sure that you are watching, uh, to make sure that you are seeing what's
2: going on? Uh, not too much, but uh, you know, he, he definitely, uh, he still has that competitive edge. That's for sure. He's still, uh, you know, a couple of times I've seen him walk through the, uh, he's around every once in a while. He'll, he'll, we've been the, in Charlotte for like a week or two at a time, uh, maybe two or three times a year. So it's cool to have him around and <laughs> walk through the training room. And I've seen him a couple of times, like, a guy will be sitting down with a sprained ankle and he'll walk through and be like, man, I had 53 in Washington on a sprained ankle. <laughs> 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 so he's still super competitive. And like what you see in the documentary is exactly the same. He's got all the one-liners. He's always, you know, on guys. So uh, it's cool to have him around. It's any, like I said, it's just just to get a few minutes with him is uh, is always special. Um, whether it's, you know, talking to, talking to X to Nose or just hearing him tell a story. He's a great storyteller as you can tell from the documentary. So uh so yeah it's really cool
0: is any part of that intimidating that dynamic of having him there and uh you know yeah, yeah. like like having <laughs> to talk about his, his twisted ankle but, i mean like absolutely. just 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 stuff like that just saying like you have a bomb ankle and he's like i dropped 53 like just challenging your manhood at all times that has to be intimidating right like
2: <laughs> absolutely yeah and it's a lot of other guys like i've i've been around enough guys now like i've i've played lebron 20 times in my career you know it's it's still cool to play against him but uh i don't think i've ever gotten over like the fact that it's michael jordan yeah. <laughs> and everyone, everyone knows everyone knows when he's in the building and it's not just like oh that's that's just mj you know that's just another guy and i've never gotten over that so uh so yeah like you said he's always kind of kind of ripping guys so uh but i mean we we try to it right back to him he loves he loves getting back into the trash talk so uh you guys try to give it back to a little bit. Yeah, he's got a competitive problem.
1: And Cody, we want to take it back because this is a college basketball podcast. And as I told you before, Titus is an Indiana guy. I'm a North Carolina guy. And when you were coming down, I remember your recruitment very vividly because your brother, Tyler Zeller, he was on the 09 title team for North Carolina. I was a big fan of the Zeller family. I was very excited about the Cody Zeller, you know, pipeline that was going to come to North Carolina. There was obviously, you know, three schools that were in the mix. There was Butler, there was Indiana and there was North Carolina. You decided to go with Tom Crean because you called you, of course, the big handsome, and we could, <laughs> and Carolina could not compete with that. Uh, but can you just talk about that recruitment a little bit? Because I thought it was one of the it was a very interesting recruitment and, and a fun recruit, you know, a recruitment between you know Indiana and North Carolina, obviously.
2: Yeah, it was. Uh, those are some fun memories of you know. I would say I had two older brothers who went before me, and so I was kind of able to watch them kind of go through the process and figure out. You know how they navigated it, and it is it is tough being a you know 15 year old kid trying to get you know recruited. You don't know you know you're making a big life decision of where you're going to go to college. And I'm, so I was I'm, even Cody, talking. I'm pretty sure that
1: 15 year old me was tweeting at you to go to North Carolina. So I <laughs> so I apologize for that first and foremost.
2: <laughs> so yeah, but it was cool to see like you know Luke obviously went his own route to Notre Dame. Uh, you know had a good career there. Tyler went to North Carolina mm-hmm. and. You know, I, I kind of came a sophomore, junior in high school for my recruitment, kind of became on the, on the big stage. And I narrowed it down to Butler, North Carolina, and Indiana, like you said. And Butler had Brad Stevens. They had just been to two national championships. Uh, North Carolina, obviously, Tyler was there. Um, they won the national championship, um, that the Tyler's freshman year. And then Indiana was kind of rebuilding, but uh, it's kind of the, you know, it's an hour away from home and it's the in-state school. And so I had three great options. I don't think I, I really could have gone wrong with any of the three. Um, at the end of the day, it, it ended up being, you know, Butler was still in the Horizon League at the time. Yep. So that was, I wanted to play on a big stage. And then North Carolina was uh, was a little bit so-so on me. Uh, they, they had Tyler, they had John Henson, mm-hmm. and they had uh, James Michael McAdoo. Yep. And he was kind of in my class. It was Anthony Davis was the, the best big man. And then it was McAdoo and then I was kind of the the third the third guy. So they were kind of kind of set. They had uh they also had the wear twins had yep. um, they had just transferred. So Coach Williams had talked to me, and that kind of opened up a scholarship for me. So before the wear twins had transferred, I I didn't even have a scholarship offer. And so anyway, it was kind of um, you know. And then at Indiana, the team wasn't that good at the time. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I knew I was kind of headed into a little bit of a rebuild. I knew that, you know, I could kind of see the development that guys like Victor had made, um, you know, kind of see the hard work that he had made. So um, I kind of took a leap of faith and stayed at the in-state school. And uh, I was I was so glad I did. It was a, a fun couple of years in Bloomington. I, I
0: feel like you're leaving out one big element of this whole decision, which is that if you would have committed anywhere other than Indiana, there would have been Hundreds of thousands. Of, there would like, have been riots. like aged night all over again. Yeah. yeah, there have been middle-aged men in candy striped <laughs> pants that would have driven <laughs> to your house and and just lost their mind. We already let two zellers get out of uh, mm-hmm. of Bloomington. There's no there's, way we can let her third.
2: There's funny guys that have you, th- you talk about like Sean May. Yeah, uh, I know.
0: Yeah, you, well, you you were the savior of Indiana basketball, Cody. Like in all seriousness, was <laughs> this uh um was this something you felt in recruiting? Like like how much did that weigh into it? How much did your brothers? Um, Because as you said, IU was an hour away from from your house, um, and your brothers obviously were both Mr. Basketballs, and they were were I assume just as coveted by Indiana as you were, and they did not go to Indiana. Uh, How much of that pressure, like, does that does the fact that neither one of them put more pressure on you to go to Indiana? Is it like, well, they didn't go to Indiana, so I don't necessarily have to, or am I just making all this up? And and there was you didn't really think about Uh, it like that at all.
2: No, I think you're right. I think uh, each situation was a little bit different because. Uh, Luke got recruited by um, Mike Davis, and uh, Tyler was recruited by Kelvin Sampson. So he had all the uh, the violations going on as Tyler was being recruited. And so for me, you know, things were things were fine, things were kind of on the way up, and uh, they hadn't quite turned the corner yet. But I mean, I could tell from the the way that they worked, the way that they competed, practices at Indiana were were nuts. So uh, I knew that the team would eventually kind of turn the corner, but. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was, it was crazy. It was, uh, Instagram wasn't around much, but, uh, Twitter was, Twitter was big, even when I was in high school. So, um, I mean, my, my mom used to follow especially when I was at school, she used to follow my whole day just by searching my name on Twitter. So mm-hmm. she would be like, uh, and what'd you get at Subway? And I was like, what do you <laughs> get a Subway? And she'd be like, so, you know, why'd you stop by Best Buy? And so, but it was all the people that had tweeted like, oh, yeah, hey, "I'm yeah. I'm in line behind Cody at Subway." <laughs> and, you know, hey, Cody's in aisle three of uh, Best Buy. So yeah, it was a little it was a little wild. But I mean, even you know, in my recruitment, my our um, uh, the SID at Bloomington always tells a story of there would there would be all over the all the chat lines would be all over like uh, Cody. Cody wore a, a North Carolina blue sweatshirt to high school, mm-hmm. like. Uh, I, I remember
1: right. that story that was a big story for everybody and, and, you know everyone yeah. was very excited about that
2: and and you guys can say, like as a 15 year old kid in high school like that's the only one that was clean yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> i just had no other options but for these people they think it's like that's the signal that i'm sending that's my decision so anyway it was, it was a little wild for
1: sure and then, and then, Cody, obviously, you decide to commit to Tom Crean, which uh, we, we are big fans of Tom Crean and the recruitment that he is able to bring uh, to, the, to the table every, at every single you know, program that he's been at, obviously. How many times did he mention Dwayne Wade when he was recruiting you? <laughs> if you had to do an over-under, what was the number? Maybe like three uh, or four times?
2: Quite a few. Quite a few. Yeah, we yeah, love that. Uh, we love that, Coach Crean. And I wonder, I wonder how many times he uh, he talks about me, Vic, and Dwayne Wade. Now, yeah, oh right. Yes. right. there was there was one that we went back. Vic and I went back uh, a year or two after um, we had been in the NBA, so we we were both in Bloomington the same year, mm-hmm. and so we sat in on a, a kind of a recruiting pitch with one of the guys, and it was uh, like a before and after. It was like an improvement tape that Vic and I had, <laughs> and it was all of my low lights from my freshman year, All of my, <laughs> from my sophomore year. Like you would have thought that I was the worst player in basketball (laughs) and like this star as a sophomore year. I was like, I wasn't that bad as a freshman, but, uh, he's a good recruiter. He's, uh, you know, he, he was great. He was, I mean, he, he can talk for hours (laughs) on the phone. So, I mean, I would, yeah, especially as a high schooler, uh, I mean, it was most nights I was on the phone with him for, for an hour or two. He could just, I could almost set the phone down and come back 15 minutes later and he'd still be talking. So. Uh, yeah, he's a good recruiter for sure.
0: I, I heard a story about Coach Crean uh, from a source inside the program that I trust uh, with my uh, life. I <laughs> yeah, that uh, I, I've told this story publicly. I told, I think I told it on part of My Take for the first time. Uh, it was a few years ago. Um, that he once upon a time wanted to get a bat, a live bat, like a not a baseball bat, like an animal, a bat <laughs> to use as a motivational tactic. And he he asked the managers to go find a mm-hmm. bat, and they looked at each other like, "What the hell? What?" Yeah. This is not in our job description. We're supposed to mm-hmm. fill up water bottles, not, not, you know, go get bats. Um, and then he said, well, can you, and then they looked into it. They said, <laughs> we we can't legally buy bats in Indiana, Coach. That's not something that, that you can do. Mm-hmm. And he said, well, why don't you go to like Bradford Woods or whatever it was <laughs> and go try to find one. Mm-hmm. Have you heard of this story, Cody? Does this ring a bell? Is this is this
2: something? A thousand percent. Very true. Very true. <laughs> Very true. I can confirm it 100%. So to give you a little bit of a backstory behind it, so that that came from um I think it was my sophomore year. We it was the year that the Harbaughs met in the uh championship of Bowl. the Super Bowl. Of, uh, yep. the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. So the two of them had just played in the Super Bowl and Howard ended up um uh probably two weeks later, they had some time off and they both came to Bloomington. And so they, they sat in on one of our practices and after practice, I think it was leading up to the Purdue game at Purdue. And so both of them talked to us and uh, both of them are just like high strung, a little, a little crazy. Yeah. And so they both talked to us for probably 15 or 20 minutes. And after each one of them talked, it was like, you'd run through a wall for those two. And, but I can't remember if it was Jim or John were talking about, um, they tell their players that they should be they should be just mean and nasty, like like rabies filled blood sucking bats. And he kept on going on and on about like how descriptive that they need to be of like these nasty bats. And the other one went, and he was talking about being uh, he was talking about being <laughs> not not a murderer but a, a serial killer. And he said that because serial killers <laughs> serial killers know what they're gonna do, like what they're gonna use to kill the person, what they're gonna do with the box, <laughs> all this stuff. So he was like, you need to have a plan and you need to execute the plan. So we tell our players like, we need to be more like serious. It was like, these dudes have lost their mind.
0: Oh my God.
2: And so, so anyway, but it was like really, really well said, like super energetic. Yes, Like you've got to do a wall for the, 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 yeah. these two. So anyway, so that was probably, I don't know, maybe Tuesday or Wednesday, <laughs> leading up to playing Purdue on the weekend. And so like pregame comes along and coach Crane pulls out like these bats and he's got obviously not a live bat because he couldn't pull it off. Uh, but he has these like plastic little toy bats and he like throws them. <laughs> so that was like his big motivational thing to like tie it all together. But yeah, a hundred percent true. Wow, I'll confirm that.
0: That's amazing.
2: That's fantastic.
0: You, you mentioned that was before the Purdue game. You never lost to Purdue, did you? Is that correct? That is my research. No, that's something I'm
2: proud about. Yeah.
0: <laughs> As the Indiana basketball savior, um, a man who was who was given that <laughs> title when when you committed, uh, what what are we going to do about this, Cody? Since you left, IU is one and ten against Purdue. You were four and zero. The Hoosiers are now one and ten. How do we save this? How do we save the rivalry?
2: I don't know. I think we got it on the on the right track. Now we got some good recruits coming in. Yeah. I like uh, I like Archie. Mm-hmm. Um, I always I always rubbed into Purdue fans They're like, you know, what was it like playing at West Lafayette? I was like, I had a blast every time I right. went to West Lafayette. <laughs> crowd was quiet, you know, we had yeah. big weeds, it was all that. Yeah. So I love rubbing it into Purdue fans. So yeah, I had plenty of success when I was there.
0: All right. Okay, so uh that th- that's on the right track. What about this? Uh, th- this is the most important question. I think uh all the Indiana fans will agree with me on this one. Um, in a post-coronavirus world, what what's going to happen to sync the biz? How do we save that? How do we save that, Cody?
2: That's a great question. I hadn't even thought about There's that. There's
0: no way it's coming back, right? Like it it's the world the has to be, is, the done. World
2: is be The world is going to be a lot different. We're talking about airplanes and TSA and everything else. But that's the real issue is sync the biz of like, I mean, there was already a little questionable yeah, uh, <laughs> issues. With that, but uh yeah, that's a real issue. Tate, Sink the yeah, Biz is
0: this game at the at the big, at the the big bar at IU. You have like a bucket of beer, then you put we, like a, We played this game. Oh, we played this game. Yes, yeah, we you know, played like, this game well, in, in Bloomington. I'll explain it to the audience. You get like a <laughs> bucket of beer, you get like a shot glass, a little bigger than a shot glass, and it like bobs yes. in the beer. And then you go around and you pour your beer into like the shot glass, and then whoever sinks it has to pull it out and drink it. And as Cody said, like, not exactly the most sanitary thing, but like usually the worst thing that could happen is you get like strep throat or something. That's what you're really worried about. <laughs> but now in the post Corona world, there's no way that the sink the Biz is going to survive. I'm really worried about it. So if, if, if Cody Zeller has no answer, I, I think we're screwed with this. I think Sync-
1: they're going to,
2: yeah, answer. yeah, they're going to have to figure out a way to do that. I don't know. <laughs>
1: your, your, your poor mother on Twitter, those nights that you were playing that game. She was like, Oh my gosh, let me just, I will out. say
2: when I was in college, uh, you're going back to the, to the Jordan documentary. I was not at all to that level, but, like I said, everything I did on Twitter was on Twitter. So mm-hmm. um, I I never played sync the biz when I was there just because I, I could, I would, I would have been in trouble and no, yeah, you weren't no 21, right? Mm-hmm. I wasn't 21 yet. So, uh, so yeah, I, I kind of missed out on my, my college years wasn't quite the typical Bloomington. I missed out on a lot of the so in college. no that's mental focus Cody that's what so what did what
0: did what did you do after uh what did you do after the Watford shot then after you guys beat Kentucky when <laughs> when the rest of the campus is getting just ripped out I mean yeah. not okay so you don't have to tell the truth what is your official story as to what you did
2: <laughs> I I actually went over to a friend's house uh yeah I didn't do much of anything I kind of stayed away from the whole like there was like people flipping over cars and everything else. <laughs> I think I think CWAT was running the uh the the he was running the front door at sports. Like, yeah, you can come in. Uh, can come in. So, I mean, everyone has their stories of, uh, of that night, but, uh, when it was a memorable night for sure. I think my parents were in town actually. So, uh, I think we just went out to eat. So yeah, nothing too crazy, which I'm a little bit disappointed about. I wish I would have made more, more of the night.
0: What, what shot have you seen or, uh, had to talk about against your will more that one or your brother hitting the half quarter to win state?
2: <laughs> probably the indiana one yeah. uh probably probably the kentucky one for sure uh i i enjoyed the um uh i always tell people the the story obviously that kentucky game was memorable but the one at michigan was to win the big 10 championship was mm-hmm. i think even more memorable for me and uh we had lost we had lost at home to ohio state with the chance to clin to clinch the big 10 and we cut the nets down. That was Coach Green's decision to cut the nets down, mm-hmm. which is a big controversy. And uh, after, you know, we would have been co-champions if we hadn't won at Michigan. So, but that that practice that week leading up to playing at Michigan was the most miserable week of my whole career. Here. Like we had mm-hmm. like six a.m. practices. I mean, we were just Coach Green was just so pissed off that we were that <laughs> you know, we lost to Ohio State, and he just ran us into the floor mm-hmm. and. So we, I mean, we had the toughest week of practice all year. And then we get to the Michigan game, obviously a a great atmosphere, you know, two of the better teams in the, in the country that, um, that year. And we, we got off to a little bit of a slow start. And I remember at halftime Vic and I were sitting next to each other. I was like, man, I feel like I have a weighted vest on, like we were both just worn out from the week and uh, somehow we found a way to win real close game. Like I said, fun atmosphere and uh, obviously, to to win the Big Ten outright was was that was the, that cool.
0: was the one Jordan Morgan missed the the bunny at
2: the yeah point. yeah so yeah, uh, yeah Trey Burke missed the the layup it rolled out and mm. then the tip in that just barely rolled out and then, so and
0: then and then coach Crean, uh jeff meyer runs to jeff Myers <laughs> like point out yeah that was the big controversy yeah, yeah,
2: after that one yeah. I, I, you're, you're uh, up on your internet history this is uh, no
0: that's not is, internet uh, history man that is like real i lived it because if, yeah. if if morgan makes that shot ohio state gets to share the big 10 so i was watching that yeah. very closely i was i went i ended up yeah. in Ohio State. so
2: um yeah,
0: yeah that was uh I, I remember that i remember that well
2: yep. <laughs> so, yeah this is fun times though we can talk
1: about the Big Ten all day. Cody, I have, to, uh, I have to ask you about your media tour because this is a quarantine time. And, you know, everyone in the world, all the athletes, everybody, everyone's on Zoom. Everyone's like doing these interviews. Everyone's talking to everybody. And I've seen you go around. I, I follow, you know, Fox, Fox Sports South, you know, and I, and I see all the interviews that are going on. And I always keep up with what the players are doing. And the thing that you have going right now is you, you have the guitar with you. Right, and, and you're going around, and this is this is the thing that that's working for you. So, Titus and I just wanted to ask you about that because I think it's a powerful move. I think it's a smart move, and I think it's a good move for the quarantine. You know, it's like Cody Zeller learns guitar. It's a lot of headlines out of that. <laughs>
2: Yeah. We'll see if I come out of this at the end of the quarantine, knowing how to play. Uh, so far it's been a, a bumpy road. I don't have any <laughs> musical ability at all. Okay. So like we're having to start from all the way at the scratch, like <laughs> learning how to read music, you know? Yeah. Uh, I don't have much rhythm at all. We got, I got to,
1: got to get a four count. Once you get a four count, you can build. On. Yeah. Yeah.
2: <laughs> I don't have any rhythm I can't, you know? So, but I will say, I know probably six or seven chords. Nice. Um, I'm not very quick at switching from one to the other. So I can do like the GCD pretty good. You know, those three, which I'm a country music yeah, fan. Say, it sounds like country I mean, music yeah. to me. Yeah. I'm learning that that's basically <laughs> all that you need to know. So, uh, so I'm getting there. I'm getting there. Uh, other than that, I've been, everyone's been loving like today. So today I spent literally my entire day researching <laughs> thermostats. And I have like this old thermostat in my house. It's like 25 years old. And I'm trying to convert it to a nest, but I'm making sure like I'm making sure it's compatible, compatible with it. And so anyway, so I've been on the phone with my dad, like, hey, how does a furnace work? Like, do I need to, you know, do I need to shut the vents to the rooms that I'm not using, whatever. So I was like, man, this is a thrilling day. I've literally done nothing else other than just research thermostats. I
0: feel like I feel like we're a, a month or so away in this quarantine from from mm-hmm. seeing the Cody Zeller Homeowner YouTube channel. Where yes. you yeah. teach people how to fix things around the house. That's 100% true. Uh, how, how are you staying in shape during the quarantine? I'm fascinated by that because I think all these uh, fans are, are hopeful that the NBA comes back and just sports in general come back. But I don't think anybody really stops to think that, like, you know, you guys probably need a little bit of time to get back in shape right like it's not if, if you're not working out or are you working out like how how does this work
2: yeah a little bit i mean that's uh everyone's talking about how to get back but i mean the worst case scenario is if you rush back and mm-hmm. guys are out of shape they haven't been staying in shape and there's an injury spike mm-hmm. you know so that would be worst case but i've been i haven't had a whole lot else to do other than work out so <laughs> I ordered some dumbbells to the house and our strength conditioning coaches have been good about. You just do like Center prism
0: workouts. You just do like, you just exactly. stay, yeah, that's it. You yeah. wow. up,
2: sit up all day. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so they send like some body weight stuff that we can do. It's, it's been beautiful weather here in Charlotte. So luckily I, I run like through my neighborhood mm. and uh, so that's, that's been fine. So I'm, I feel like I'm in good shape right now just from running and, mm-hmm. and lifting weight. I played uh, tennis to just open back up. So I played tennis a few days ago.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: I played tennis in high school. So, Oh, you, I uh, didn't stuff. know that.
0: I didn't. That's yeah. yeah.
2: Yeah. So um, I play doubles. I just stand up in the net and just kill everything that comes near me. So uh, it's you're, not too bad. Yeah, you're basically John Isner. I was going to say, yeah. and you're in Charlotte, his hometown. So this is like, you guys should play against yeah. each other.
0: Have you talked to Gordon Hayward about this, about your tennis playing?
2: Uh, I haven't. I've heard that he's really good. Yeah. He was yeah, I mean, he was like one of the top players in the state. I think.
0: Yeah, he was. Yeah, uh, that that would be an amazing doubles team to have you and you guys need to you guys need to enter like a celebrity tennis thing where it's you two on a doubles team. That would be so damn intimidating to have you two <laughs> giants just out there. The, yeah, I'm
2: not I'm not strong sure on his level. I played like I said, I played in high school, I never made it out of like sectionals or anything. But I didn't realize uh, I got a good serve. I got a good forehand. I played doubles so I can kind of hide my backhand, which is, which is good for me. Mm-hmm. I'm just good enough to like, you know, return it with my backhand. So I'm not hitting any winners, not to give you the whole scouting report on my tennis game, but no, man, uh, I, been, did, did your brothers play tennis? Uh, Tyler played for a couple of years in high school. My mom uh, or my parents made us play a false sport and mm-hmm. it was it was good. It was just to kind of give us a break from basketball. They didn't want us getting drained by basketball. So they started that rule when uh, when Luke was in like seventh or eighth grade. So they made us play a fall sport. So he ran cross country. And Tyler and I were like, why would you run for a sport? That was i ever heard of. So Tyler and I picked up tennis. And so Tyler played, I think, through his junior year of high school. And then uh, – so I played in, uh, I think, seventh grade through uh, through most of high school.
0: Nice. What – who uh, – when, when you guys would play, maybe not necessarily tennis, but like ping pong, video games, all that kind of stuff, who – who was the alpha and the, the brother? If you want to talk about Kobe, LeBron, and Jordan, um, mm-hmm. Tyler, Luke, and Cody, who, how did, what, are the, what are the rankings there? I don't care about basketball as much. I care more yeah. about, like, you're playing pool or you're playing yeah. Yeah, ping pong.
2: Neither, neither did we. We didn't care about basketball either. Most of the people <laughs> are like, you know, yeah. who's the better of the three? It's like, well, we, we didn't compete in basketball as much as, like, everything else was a competition. So we're all, we're all three years apart. So Tyler's three years older, Luke's six years older. So Luke was the, Luke was the guy just because he was six years yeah. older than me. Dude. Yeah. So, uh, but I mean, we made everything in a the company. There was always something getting broken. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had obviously grown up in Indiana. It's, you can't play outside year round, especially in the winter. So we had a, uh, a lofted living room. So it was a, a perfect spot for like playing baseball and, you know, throwing stuff <laughs> off the wall and everything else. But that was where, that was like the one nice room in the house, so my mom had all of her like antique. She had two antique lamps. She had like her nice couch. Mm-hmm. So we weren't allowed to play sports in the living room, and so of course, like every time that mom left for the grocery store or anything, it was like, all right, game on we're <laughs> in the living room. And so everything was getting, and we, we ended up breaking. We had the the two antique uh, lamps that she had. Naturally, those were the the goalposts for our soccer game. Yes. And uh, so, you know, we shot one off the antique lamp, shattered it into a million pieces. Uh, Another time we had, we were playing football. Luke was the all-time quarterback. Tom and I were wide receivers. And Luke threw one a little bit deep and I made a diving catch into the China cabinet. Mm. There's glass everywhere. Uh, It's a great play though. (laughs) Yeah, great play. My dad got home and he's like, did you make the catch? Is that, that's the most important. (laughs) Exactly. hundred percent. Anyway, yeah, like you said, we were competing in everything. We, I mean, yeah. pizza eating contests—you can eat the most slices of pizza. I mean, everything. How so, do you yeah.
0: how, do? You guys have like neighborhood kids that join in, like friends? Because I can imagine like being a neighborhood kid, uh, getting invited to the Zeller house to play, you know, backyard football. I'd be like, no, nah, I'm good today. I think yeah. I'm good. Like, I think you guys, <laughs> mm-hmm. you three, go ahead and play. I'll sit this one out. Um, yeah. Like, who are the poor? Who are the good. poor kids that had to play
2: with you guys? Yeah, we had we grew up way out in the country, so we didn't have neighbors weren't that close. Yeah. Uh, but we had we had a couple of kids across the street that come over and play once in a while. And then my, my dad would play with us a lot. So my dad's like six five, he's pretty pretty well built. And so we would always play like two on two and my dad would mm-hmm. be the fourth. Yeah. Whether it was football or basketball or whatever else. So but he's a big, a big strong guy. So he was always like the, you know, no blood, no foul, like just pushing us <laughs> into the into the bushes and everything else. So uh even even my mom was uh she played uh division three basketball and softball so she would get out there once in a while and you know shoot around with us play horse with us and stuff so uh made it fun
0: you you obviously are you play north carolina you've lived in north carolina for a while you grew up in indiana tate and i love arguing about this uh which state matters more in basketball
2: to, to the to the especially, yeah yeah especially high school i mean it's it's no comparison, yeah. It's just, I mean, Hoosiers the movie is just like that's exactly what you get, yeah. Uh, like I said, town of 12,000, and we would sell it out on Friday and Saturday nights, so was just the whole town was there, and it kind of prepared me for playing in you know at Indiana on a bigger stage or in the NBA just because it was, I mean, it was to a small scale, the spotlight was on us in a small, small little town just being you know on the basketball team and everything else, so. And especially growing up with with two older brothers, we had um, so the there's there's four four streets that go into into Washington, and it says there's signs going into going into town. It says, "Welcome to Washington, home of Mr. Basketball, Luke Zeller, home of Mr. Basketball, Tyler Zeller." Mm-hmm. And for three years, I drove past that sign because we live outside of town i drive past that sign every day on the way to school, like wondering <laughs> if I'm going to be on the, on the sign someday. Yeah. So, I mean, it was a lot of pressure on me, you know, to be in the third, wondering if I'm going to want to stay championship mm. or you know, develop into a good player. So, uh, on a small scale, that I had, I kind of had to live up to those ec- expectations in a small town.
0: I, I think you did all right. I would, I would say that I, th- I think it worked out well for you.
2: <laughs> yeah, and then I think we can all agree here.
1: You know, Indiana is high school basketball, and then North Carolina is college basketball. That's the difference. We care about
2: college basketball. Uh- Here's the deal. So there's there's a little bit of a split in in, in uh, North Carolina because there's, you know, some Duke fans scattered. There's yes. some North Carolina fans. And, Wake for and, it. and Char- Charlotte's a different entity, you know what I mean? It's almost an independent state within the state. Yeah, but in Indiana, I mean, everyone's an Indiana fan other than just that tiny little pocket in West Lafayette. Everyone else, <laughs>
0: yeah. is, you know. I think Tay, I think you get lost too in uh, the North Carolina, you guys win titles. In Indiana, it's not about the titles. It's about the journey (laughs) along the way. It's about Mm. the the friends we make. It's about the 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 journey, not the destination, Tate. So you you can't I I always point to Cody, like when Indiana is going six and twenty five before you get there, IU is absolutely packing every maybe not every game, but they're selling out they're selling out Assembly Hall going six and twenty-five. North Carolina would not do that. There's no chance they're doing that.
2: And the, I mean, North Carolina has had so many good players that, you know, even my, my brother was ACC player of the year and had a good one national championship there, but he's like just another guy there. I mean, yeah. they've had, you know, MJ and all these, all these uh, legends that, you know, back in Indiana, it's like, you know, like Jordan Halls is like a, a hero. Oh, just, yeah. He's like a shorter white guy. Like people can relate to him. He just grew up, you know, loving basketball and made it as a, a big time division one player. So. Uh, guys like that is like an Indiana hero. So Tom cover- cool. Tom
0: Coverdale is one of my favorite players of all time.
2: Cody, you don't need it. To- <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah, love those guys. So. Yeah, it's really cool. I mean, Indiana history is uh, something else. Tom Coverdale has been mentioned
1: consecutively yep. on now five straight podcasts, and <laughs> and nobody
2: thought it was possible, but it
1: was. And I, I I'm very
2: work Tom Coverdale into the. Into the-
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to
0: be Jordan on the next podcast when I mention Tom Coverdale. I'm going to be MJ up there doing the six.
2: <laughs>
1: yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Cody. Thank you so much for joining us. Do we have anything else to date? we? Uh, did we hit it all. I was gonna say, Cody. My only advice, uh, being in Charlotte, uh, Jake DeLome, he had the Bojangles ads. You got to get on the Bojangles ads. You got to figure that out. Like you're yeah. in Charlotte, that, that's a that's a great sponsorship. I don't know what's going on with those commercials down there, but you got to figure a way in there.
2: That's my well, last what's
0: your what's your cookout order, Cody? What do you, what do you what are your <laughs> thoughts on cookout?
2: Cookout order. Uh, I have I, I get um, two of the cookout trays, uh-huh. uh, which is a lot of food. Um, I get, usually get uh, four corn dogs and. Uh, <laughs> Two two burgers, either a burger <laughs> or a hot dog, and uh, two sweet teas. Oh, love either that! Sweet, one sweet tea and one shake sometimes. So. Mm. Uh, yeah, you know, pack it on. <laughs> I love that.
1: Yeah, the trainers love to hear that for the Hornets.
2: Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. No, but, <laughs> but it's okay, Tate. He goes
0: jogging in the neighborhood every so often, so he that's stayed at you. Yeah, exactly. Right?
2: I figure I work out so much. I i burn enough calories, I can handle it. That's right. that's oh, right
0: man. Well, Cody, thank you for joining us. Uh, good luck with the guitar lessons. Good luck with the rest of the quarantine. Um, we'll have to have you back on at some point, but uh, we yeah. really appreciate having me
2: back on once I learn how to play guitar. Yes. I'll play something. This will be great. that will yes. be awesome. All right, stay yeah.
0: safe, man. Thanks for joining us.
2: Thanks, Cody. Right, uh, yeah. Appreciate
1: it. It's fun. All
0: right. Thanks again to Cody Zeller for joining us. Uh, Tate, his cookout order. Your thoughts is that is that an adequate order? That seems like a lot of food. Four corn dogs, two sweet teas um that that is a man who knows his uh what, what is your cookout order by the way i mean you, you just you, to remember you, at this point
1: well no you just get a tray and then you can just disperse in whatever you want you can get a barbecue sandwich with that that's always nice a corn dog is always a nice like little throw in as like an extra thing there but to get four corn dogs is a uh is a bold move a burger is always nice in the tray but the tray is perfect the sweet tea is a good call and a shake is always nice you always corn
0: dog it. like you get like a smaller corn dog i'm sure it's a full side but like a a corn dog feels like one of those throw in things. I like this about cookout, there's always like a little throw in thing and yeah. and anytime you're eating, uh as a former fat guy myself, you get the throw in the throw in things you convince yourself have no calories. Just mm. because they're like the throw in things. Like, no, it's,
1: it's just smaller. Little, yeah, it's a, yeah. little thing on the side. <laughs> yeah, it's a little chicken it's a little chicken taco or whatever. It's, yeah, a, yeah, yeah. it's a little chicken sandwich, like whatever it is just, and uh It's one yeah.
0: little throw in thing. It's got yeah. no calories. That doesn't count. That's yeah. not part yeah. of the meal. Um, yeah, it's
1: easy. Yeah, don't so, worry throw, about
0: it. so go ahead and throw four of them in there. Throw four little <laughs> corn dogs. <laughs> no, he uh, he confirmed the Tom Crean bat story. I'm so glad he did. Um, God bless you for that, Cody. We uh, we thank you. We'll have him back on when he's learned to play guitar, I guess. That's the that's the deal now.
1: Yeah, I'm gonna take him on a tour around North Carolina and show him Winston Salem and you know Raleigh and the triangle. He needs to see more of North Carolina, yeah. That's what I need. yeah that's
0: Speaking I need. of Tom Crean and Bats and coaches that are absolutely out of their minds, we have to talk yes. about Steve Forbes, who is the new Wake Forest head basketball coach. Uh, from, yeah, he's he was hired from East East Tennessee State. Um, a lot of people are super excited about him. I'm gonna first say I, I've been asked like my opinion on the hire. I I don't really pay that much of attention to, <laughs> to uh to, to, to coaching carousels like this. So like
1: mm-hmm.
0: everyone else seems super excited about it. I'll be excited about it. Like I don't I'm not gonna pretend like I've been watching East Tennessee the last five years and and I can diagram. He, he's won a lot of games at East Tennessee State. Um, I I said, as we were going over the candidates, I was, I said, I think the phrase I used was like, I'm not sure that a 55 year old guy that's never won an NCAA tournament game is going to make me like that excited for Wake Forest. But like, if they're excited for it, be excited. I take all that back after I watched this video of him ripping a a coronavirus mask off and spiking it in the middle of the practice court.
1: Yeah, you. We never thought that this show would be so batshit crazy because Steve Forbes is batshit, and uh, we saw (laughs) we saw it uh, in this video. Basically, the announcement video comes out. Steve Forbes uh, gets introed by the ad is basically saying, "This is what we need more banners." They point out he
0: says he says, "Are you going to graduate players?" Which is a shot at Danny Manning because apparently Danny Manning wasn't graduating anybody. Um, So that was like the first thing he says, and yeah, then he says, "You're going to hang more of these," and we get. Banner. I don't forget what the banners even were.
1: It's like but ACC it's, tournament or ACC. Yeah, yeah it's a 1996, 1997 AC tournament. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so they point to that. And Titus, you hit the nail on the head. I mean, I don't know what he was doing beforehand. I don't know what we're supposed to be excited about. I know that he has uh, some excitement to him. He, it feels very muscle bust to me. You know, it feels very muscleman. Dude, I have I have it written
0: down that I, ge- I gave the video a seven on the muscleman scale of. <laughs> uh we I, i'm inventing the muscleman scale starting today yeah, which is this is
1: great Yes.
0: we we need a muscleman scale for things where it's like <laughs> if it's your head coach of your program you're excited and you're like this is my guy i love it yeah and if he it's loves not us. you're like yes. this is the most cringeworthy thing i think i've ever seen in my life because that was a lot of the that was the feedback if you're a wake forest fan you're like oh my god i'll run through a brick wall for this guy and he's been our coach for 10 minutes and if you're not a wake forest fan you're like he he, he took a coronavirus mask off and spiked it in the middle of the practice court. What, what?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Bad shit. (laughs) And, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I I like it. Like wake forest. I mean, the, the ethos of the program has always been, you know, we're going to, we're going to be crazy. We got the motorcycle on the floor, like, you know, wake the nation, you know, crowd's going to go insane. It didn't even have that vibe to it. If it had been like a, a package video where it's like, you know, Josh Howard. I mean, I guess they had some of that stuff going on. I, I don't know. I, I want them to be wake of the future. This does not seem uh, to me like the, big, the best sell of all time, but no, they seem but to be excited.
0: It doesn't, yeah. It's not about us. And I think that's, the, that's, that's the point of the muscleman scale is that you and I it doesn't exactly resonate. It's more funny than it is like motivating. But uh, Wake Forest people are jacked up about it. So who cares? Who cares about us?
1: I will say this: Coach Manning was just on the show a couple of weeks ago with us, and we love Coach Danny Manning. If you're Danny Manning, if you saw that video, you got to feel pretty good about that. I yeah, mean, it right. doesn't matter. Yeah, if you, I I it, it doesn't matter if you don't graduate players, or if you just got bought out, or whatever. Like you see that video, you're like, I think I should have moved on. I
2: yeah, know.
0: I think uh, if that place is <laughs> my ex- job, here, my yeah. job
1: here is done. Yeah.
0: If that's the kind of thing that that place wants, uh, yes. then I was never the right man for that job. Um, yes. But again, I, we're not, we're not condemning uh, Steve Forbes. We don't,
1: we, it's just a change of pace. Yeah. We just don't, we don't, yeah, we, just don't we, we don't know. Yeah. We don't know. Yeah. We don't
0: know. I don't know. It's a, it's a, it's a stay away. I don't know.
1: He's, he's fired up. He's fired up A Krispy Kreme. He's going to be a Krispy Kreme. Like that's going to be great. I love Krispy Kreme in Winston-Salem. Um, You know, so that'll be all good. I, I'm, I'm pumped. You know, it'll be um, great.
0: Real quick before we go, let's talk about this Louisville notice of allegations that uh, that dropped today. Um, Wait, what? Again yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it, it, I, I feel like I've heard this story before. Louisville was committing violations and then he's coming after. Him. Uh, it's okay, so first of all, it's this, this, this happens two days after the Kentucky Derby was supposed to happen, which I feel mm-hmm. like the timing of it is is pretty cruel in that regard. But um, I think Louisville knew it was coming eventually. Uh, it's, it's, this one is for the Brian Bowen stuff. We already got the stripper stuff. Um, that was what mm-hmm. ultimately cost them the 2013 title. Uh, this is the newer thing, the Brian Bowen thing, the thing where um, Brian Bowen commits to Louisville and Rick Pitino goes on the local radio show and is like, it was the easiest recruitment I've ever had in my life. And then come to find yep. out it was easy because Adidas <laughs> was offering him $100,000, I think it was. Um, so Louisville gets hit with one level one violation, three level two violations. One of those level two violations is directed at Patino, who's now, as we know, the head coach at Iona. So this is interesting because he theoretically could get a show cause, which means um, it would not be good for Rick. And he theoretically could be suspended up to a half a season. Uh, Rick has already, Patino's already put out a statement saying, I have no idea what we're even talking about, to be honest with you. Um, mm-hmm. this, is, this is the mm-hmm. first I've ever heard of this. Uh, his mm-hmm. statement was basically, as you might expect, I I did nothing wrong. Um, you you can't prove it. I'm going to fight it. Uh but yeah, that's where we stand, Tate. Um, and on top of it all, Adidas, so like part of the part of the whole notice of allegations, Adidas uh to make this work for the NCA, um, because the money technically came from the, the the way it was like funneled, it came from Adidas and Adidas representatives. So to tie Louisville in as like to punish Louisville, because like the NCAA can't really like, you know, give Adidas a ban necessarily. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um so to to drop the hammer on Louisville, they have to uh Decide they've decided that adidas is a booster is a university of louisville booster and Mm -hmm. so brian a potential recruit was getting an impermissible benefit from a booster and that's how we got here so a rough couple days for adidas between the jordan dock and then like being labeled a a louisville booster and basically it's all adidas fault that, that we got here so um yeah that's it (laughs)
1: <laughs> and I, I was gonna say, yeah, the street, the three stripes—they're—they're they're taking a hit uh, the past couple of days. And then you know, Chris Mack obviously got paid a lot of money go to go to Louisville. We remember this, and uh, he has put out a statement as well. And th- this is for people Great that statement. don't know, yeah, yeah. For people that Great don't statement. know, uh, in college basketball, you know, PR is a, is a hell of a drug, and uh, and you gotta and you gotta put out your statements, and you gotta make sure you stay on top of this. So what Chris Mack was able to do with his statement was basically say. Um, you know, we have, you know, great values here at the university. We have, uh, apologized. We have said we're sorry and we're past it. And we are confident that the university will fight you back, uh, with, with legal, with, 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 with legal action, unlike anything you've ever seen. Here, here's what he and said.
0: Here's, here's what he said exactly. Cause I, I, I wrote this down because I was so, I can't believe how, how Chris Mack is, I've underestimated him. He's a, he, he's a pro at this. While I I understand the allegations brought today, I'm confident that the university will do what is right,
2: which Mm -hmm.
0: includes fighting back on those charges that we simply do not agree with and for which the facts do not substantiate. So he's basically saying we are going to do the right thing, Mm
1: -hmm. comma,
0: (laughs) which is fight like hell to prove that all of this is bullshit and you can't prove any of it.
1: (laughs) Yes, yes. Which is that is our version of the right thing.
0: We love that. Mm -hmm. That is the the new age. uh, I take full responsibility, but I did nothing wrong. Because Chris yes. Mack wasn't there to take responsibility, this is his his answer to that: is like we're going to do the right thing, which is not get any punishment whatsoever. Because,
1: mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm.
0: None of this is none of, none of this is true.
1: <laughs> we're going to go to the tournament. We're going to win games, and we're going to be number one in the country because that's what we do.
0: The only uh, the only other thing I want to bring up because this is kind of it's Groundhog Day with all this stuff. Like, it, yes. I mean, you're, you're you're listening to the actual journalists talk about it. Like, what does this mean? What's going to happen next? And they're like, well, it could be up to a year. There's the appeal process. There's so you just kind of roll your eyes and you're like damn it can somebody please go to ncaa prison that's all we want I'm Just like can we send somebody to ncaa prison
1: um can we be guards at ncaa prison you know what i mean can like it just be like a kind of nice dorm area and we're basically ra's and yeah. we just have to manage like all the, like all the people that are there you know what i mean just like take care of it. it's like the real world they have confessionals Uh, That'd be great. That would be fantastic. Uh, So
0: I was reading the ESPN article and they said that the, that Louisville athletic director, uh, he says during a tele teleconference with reporters on Monday that the university could elect to uh, adjudicate the case through the NCAA's newly created independent accountability resolution process or a IARP, which includes investigators and hearing officers with no direct ties to the NCAA or its member schools. The IARP is handling a similar case involving NC state. Its decisions are final and there are no appeals. So, we now have this new IARP thing, Tate. I just want to point out that, like, these NCA cases are the most convoluted things in the world, uh, especially when you consider that the stakes for basically every single NCAA case could not be any lower. It's like a, it's a matter <laughs> of Brian Bowen getting $100,000. The stakes Got have you. never been lower. And mm-hmm. the, the process, like, I, I think that's their, the NCAA's philosophy is like, let's just muddy the waters, make it so confusing for the general public that uh, ultimately it, it drag it all out, make it just very confusing for it t- take it a few years and then it all blows over and everyone forgets. And that's pretty much it. I think that's their strategy with all this. Year.
1: Well, it, it's funny because you, we remember obviously the infamous press conference with the FBI and they have the game plan. And mm-hmm. the best thing about the game plan is that it's like a circle and that's all that this is. Time is a flat <laughs> circle. College basketball out. is a flat circle. It's just the same thing. It's like chasing your own tail. You know what I mean? And that's college basketball. We keep making new committees. We keep coming up with new ways to punish people. But in reality, the game just keeps on going, baby. And uh, as long as you're winning, you'll be okay. I think. I think. Well, well, I think. Jeff, <laughs> they have a bright future ahead. Obviously. I
0: think Jeff Goodman summed it up best uh, inadvertently when I, I was watching his reaction video to the notice of allegations today, and he goes, uh, he he kind of goes over what happened. He's like, so Louisville's hit with these violations, whatever, whatever. So what does it mean? nobody knows uh we're gonna find and it just goes on and on and i was like yeah. that is thank you jeff that is that is where we've arrived is like mm. even the people that are plugged in that know all the rules and know how these things are supposed to to un, unwind are like we're not really sure what's gonna happen next because this is the most convoluted bullshit <laughs> in the world <laughs> and for what and for what that's what's so funny about it but anyway
1: And it's purposeful deceit, and Mm. we all we all are part of the game, and we're all playing it. And uh, it it feels like the Sniff Brothers all over again. And the NCAA—that is them. They're just like they're just winning in quarters. They're giving us shrugs. They're like, "We're sorry, sorry, we haven't figured it out." How how do we become
0: honorary Sniff Brothers? I'm I'm Uh, really worried that the uh, the Sniff Brothers. So,
1: unfortunately, if they start calling us the Sniff Brothers, we're gonna have a bigger problem. So let's hope that we'll keep it light. We're just staying our tuxedos.
0: Yeah. Uh, the, the The Sniff Brother, the guy, the the guy that was that the, the mullet. What we saw that he he passed away in January, I guess. Like yes, his, the details yes. are coming out. I'm really worried he's going to get the kin Bone treatment. the uh, The milkshake duck, as they call it in the Internet streets. We're like, mm-hmm. we're a week away from like someone digging up a, a tweet he had in 2014 where he. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Don't don't he, look up those tweets.
0: He also tweeted that Republicans buy sneakers too. And uh we have to cancel them, unfortunately. Sorry. Sorry, <laughs> sorry, to, sorry to the sniff brother. I'm really worried that's gonna happen, but uh I'd like I'd like for that not to be the case. Um all right, anything else on this Louisville thing? Should we just do shout outs, closeouts?
1: Let's shout out and close out all this right. whole thing. Uh my quick shout out here is something that I know that we both enjoyed in the Jordan doc, and that's Jerry Seinfeld uh going to mm. meet with Michael Jordan. Um Jordan obviously did not watch Seinfeld. He said everybody else is watching all the time, you know, getting on his nerves. And they had this kind of awkward encounter where it's two kind of giants in their own, you know, uh, arenas kind of standing there like, yeah, OK, you know, kind of sizing each other up. And then, you know, Jerry leaves and he goes, this play is not going to work tonight. And it's uh, a it's a it's a perfect little jab in the sports world. Uh, it was a great little comedic moment, and uh, I enjoyed it a lot. So the only thing—the
0: some- only thing more '90s that's ever happened in the world is that picture of Michael Jackson, Michael Jordan, and Macaulay Culkin. Otherwise, yes. uh, Jerry Seinfeld talking to Michael Jordan is is peak '90s. That that mm-hmm. whole interaction was as '90s as it gets. Um, I want to shout out uh, David Wilson of the Miami Herald, uh, who was a Syracuse alum, worked at the Daily Orange. So we did the, we did this Syracuse, uh, uh, Kansas show that we were talking about at the top here. Yep. Um, and, and I, within the, within the podcast that we did, I pointed out this story about Deshaun Williams, who transferred to Iona in 2002, I believe 2003, something Mm -hmm. like that. Um, and the lead of this story was hysterical because it's, it's just basically leading up to Deshaun Williams getting, receiving oral sex in a, Mm -hmm. in a bathroom stall at a bar. And it just like,
1: it's great journalism. It's really well written. It was
0: unbelievable journalism. Mm -hmm. It was like the funniest thing I think I've ever read in my life. So David Wilson, uh, listened to the podcast. He tweeted at me and pointed out that the two people who wrote this article, Tate, one, won a Pulitzer and is the, the way David Wilson described it is quote, possibly the best features writer in the world. And the other guy is apparently the Rome bureau chief for the Washington post. So not only was the story like legendary, but the two guys who wrote it apparently are big J journalists, very serious, yes. very serious guys. Uh, I forget their names because I'm an idiot, but, um, I don't know that 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 I wanted to shout out David Wilson for pointing that out because that, that makes it so much funnier that they're working at, on the Syracuse newspaper back in the day and they're writing about <laughs> basketball players getting beaches.
1: That is the most Syracuse journalism story you'll ever hear right there. I mean, that's how it works in the big J world. You know what I mean? It all comes full circle. So we're, we're just happy to be along for the ride. Uh, yeah. yeah, that was great. That was great.
0: I also want to shout out Villanova. They're doing this thing as we speak yes. actually right now, as we're recording this on Monday uh, afternoon, early evening here. Um, they're doing a virtual matchup of the 2016 versus 2018 team, Tate. Uh, they're trying to raise some money for, for I believe it's like a hunger relief situation in Philadelphia for, for people affected by coronavirus. Nice. Uh, they've already raised $16,000. We don't, we don't know who won, but they, they are seeking to answer the unanswerable question, which is which Villanova team is better. So uh, by the time we get mm-hmm. done recording this, probably, um, we'll have a resolution on that. And I'm excited to see what the, what the outcome is there.
1: I was really hoping that they were going to play Call of Duty because, as we saw on the internet this week, Josh Hart uh, broke his keyboard in frustration <laughs> over Call of Duty. I've, I've seen a lot of a lot of my friends uh, back home. Everyone's playing video games and they're slowly losing their minds uh, because they're playing online. They're getting stir crazy. They're talking to other stir crazy people, which just it, it creates like a. a, a you know, a spin zone of stir crazy ideas. Mm. And then people go bad shit and then they start mm. losing their minds and spike the mass on this yes. Yeah. So please support Villanova and the, and those guys playing 2k. I feel like that's a good game to play. So that, that'll that be fun. Um,
0: the only other shout outs I had, uh, or th- this is more of a closeout than a shout out. The NBA lottery and combine are officially postponed. Uh, I'm fascinated to see what's going to happen with the draft. Um, I'm I'm not really sure how that's going to work out. Like, of course they could do it like the NFL did it and do it virtually, but I'm but but the the lead up to the draft, like how are how are teams going to select guys? We need to have a draft guy on. We need to get like KOC or Vicini or somebody on on the show to to talk to us about this because I'm fascinated what's gonna happen with this NBA draft. Cause like as of right now, the scouts have what are they going off of? Just game tape from regular season college games? That's yes, It's that's, yes. that's kind of and, and hilarious.
1: Submiss- yeah. Well, and submissions. I mean, a lot of these guys, are, you know, are getting like tapes submitted from agents. Mm. You know, certain teams. There's, you know, things like that. Or that. I mean, who knows? Uh, it'll be interesting. I think it's funny, like you said. You know, Goodman was talking, and he was like, "We, what do we know? Nothing." Uh, we don't I think with, with, nothing. with all this stuff, we, we, we don't know anything. We don't know what it's going to look like, and I find that a little bit fascinating. And yeah, we need a guru.
0: I've talked to I've talked to two. I'm not sourced by any stretch of the imagination, but I'm sourced. I have sources who have sources. We'll put it that way. And I've talked to two people about this issue of like preparing for the draft and and what are scouts going to to do and and having no combine and and you can't bring guys in for individual workouts and all that stuff. One person said, oh, this is going to make it so much easier to draft because there's less, like sometimes you get paralyzed by having too much data um, Mm -hmm. and now you can just streamline it and you know what you know and let's just stick with it. And it's gonna make it so much better. And the other guy was like, This is gonna be an absolute cluster and I, this is gonna be the most absurd draft of all time. So <laughs> somewhere in the middle probably is what rolling up.
1: <laughs> and, and with the eighteenth pick, the Indiana Pacers select Peyton Pritchard. Yeah. Guard
0: right. <laughs> it's basically whoever has the best Zoom interview is going to get go yes. very high. That's where we're gonna find out. And uh Obi Toppin's gonna to go number one. He came on the show. we we love that. He he did he did great in our Zoom interview we had with him. But um no, I, I'm fascinated by that. But the lottery and combine are officially postponed. Who knows what the – I don't think they've said anything about the draft itself yet, but you have to mm-hmm. imagine something's going to be done there. Um, but, yeah, and the only other thing I want to say, Tate, before we wrap it up, Nick Cage is playing Joe Exotic. <laughs> uh, I just wanted to shout out just really not Nick Cage so much, not Joe Exotic, just society at large, that this is where we've arrived. That uh, I, I read that headline, and I felt like – that's not even a real story. It's just like a headline. It's like a robot that's creating headlines just to keep us distracted
1: during quarantine and happy.
0: It's like Nick Cage is playing Joe Exotic <laughs> in a scripted television series. So shout out Nick.
1: Never, yeah, never forget world. Nicholas Cage is Nick Coppola, and he is of the Coppola family, and is absolutely someone that should be revered, revered in the film world. And he's an Oscar winner. He's Oscars. Yeah, he's going to play a man in Oklahoma. That it herds tigers and sings country songs, and uh, for that, we say that's true art, folks. And uh, if, if, if you haven't listened to our episode, I still think that was one of our, our best episodes uh, during the quarantine the Tiger King episode. Mm-hmm. I know there's a lot of Tiger King stuff, you know, we've seen all the TikToks with Carol Baskin. Carol Baskett, you know, all that stuff. Uh, but that was a good episode, I love comparing it, to I, I, yeah, Go that was it.
0: that was a fun episode. Tiger King, uh, I'll say it, Tiger King's better than The Last Dance, it just is. <laughs> I don't know. I don't, I don't, nice.
1: Nice. Tiger King is, uh, is a tweet that tweet that. There you go. That that's your hot take of the week. <laughs> America will love that. Free Joe Exotic.
0: Um, this is your reminder, by the way. Go watch Nicolas Cage freaking out on YouTube. That that compilation of uh all the scenes from all the Nicholas Cage movies where he's like playing a guy losing his mind. Um, that was like my that might be my favorite YouTube of all time. I've watched that thing like seven thousand times. Um. But I'm going to go watch it again. I forget them recording this. Anything else, Tate? Is that it? That's the show. No,
1: let's all go watch Nick Cage clips and right. have a good day.
0: All right, we're going to go watch Nick Cage. Uh, In the meantime, you guys stay safe out there. We'll see you on Friday.